book of Revelation. Can anyone remember where we left off uh, a couple of weeks ago? Chapter 12. Mahan Kaleen. Mahan Kaleen. And that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, we were in chapter 12 last week and we were looking at the, the dragon, uh, the, the child, and the woman. Um, we're moving on now to, to chapter 13. Um, another very interesting chapter. And um, an interesting chapter and also uh, quite controversial in the sense of, um, you know, different interpretations. But I just uh, pray this morning that it will be, uh, we'll get some benefit from it. It won't just be information, that there'll be, there'll be inspiration as well. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven horns, seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet was like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him authority, sorry, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone is in the air, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should speak, should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Father, we do pray uh, that your word um, will make a difference here this morning, Lord. That it won't be just information, Lord. And Lord, it is a difficult passage. 
Um, there's lots of symbols in it, Lord, and it can be hard to understand. So, Father, I do pray for your Holy Spirit uh, just to guide me and to guide each of us. We come against any, any plan of the wicked one, um, against your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, again, a, a very difficult passage, you, you could say, you know, just on the first reading of it. A very dense passage. There's a lot in this chapter. A lot of imagery. A lot of symbolism. And there's a lot going on. So, so what, do we, what do we make of it? Um, as usual, the best way to understand a passage in Revelation is to understand the rest of the book of the Bible. If you don't know your Bible, it's going to be very hard, if not impossible, to understand what is written in the book of the Revelation. It's hard enough to understand when you do know the word, but if you don't know your word, it's going to be very, very hard. And needless to say, as with other passages in the book of Revelation that have this imagery and, you know, it's, it's almost like a science fiction uh, novel or science fiction movie, all these amazing things happening, fire coming from heaven, um, a beast with, with, with seven heads and ten horns, like, like it's almost like a monster, isn't it? And all of this lends itself to lots of interpretations, some of them wild interpretations. But such is the nature of man that we want to know what this is. We want to know the answer. We want to see into the future. And as a result, I suppose, there has been a lot of speculation. And for kids, speculation basically means guesswork, guessing what this is, what this is and who it is. And it's, um, I just thought of this again uh, during the week when we saw um, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, who was the, the leader of Russia or, or the USSR as it was then, passed away only a, a few days ago. Some people put him as the beast, the, the Antichrist, um, when, he was, when he came to power because he had a, a mark in his head. And, um, you know, there have been so many... There have been so many candidates, shall we say, for the beast. Um, it just proves that man is, is very quick to, to put on interpretation, to try and, and get knowledge. We all want to get knowledge. But we do need to approach this, as I said before, uh, with, with a certain amount of humility. So the, the chapter opens with this with, with uh, John standing on, on the sand of the sea and he sees this beast coming up out of the sea with seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads and ten horns. And even straight away, it's very hard, isn't it, to understand, well, what does that look like? If you've got seven heads and you've got ten horns, are the ten horns on one head or are they distributed across the heads? Is one a horn got a head got three horns, etc., etc. Right, and it, it's you know it's straight away uh, we're 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 in confu confusing territory. That's why we really do need to know our, our word. And then, just to make things worse, John sees this beast, and it's like a leopard, except his feet are like those of a bear. And he has the mouth of a lion. So not only has he got seven heads, ten horns, he looks like a leopard, feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion. Try and picture that if you can. <laughs> and then we, we find out that the dragon, there's a dragon involved, and the dragon has given him power, his power, his throne, and his great authority. Now, what we do know from chapter 12, because we read it a few weeks ago, that the dragon is Satan himself. So what we do know about this beast straight away is that his power 
and his authority and his throne come from, are given by the dragon. Given by Satan. Satan himself. So this, he's not a good guy. The beast is not a good guy. We, we, we can establish that fairly, fairly straight away. He is not a good guy. Um, he is um, under the, the authority of Satan. But what are we to make of the imagery of the, the heads, the seven heads and the ten horns, the, the leopard, the bear and the lion? Does, does that ring a bell? To, does, it, does it ring a bell to anybody? Which? Countries. Okay. Well, first of all, we see in chapter 12, we don't have to go far, we see in chapter 12 that's, that the dragon himself, the dragon himself, in verse 3, had seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. So there's a, there's a definite similarity between the, the dragon, Satan, and this um, beast. But there's a slight difference as well in that we see that the dragon or Satan had seven, it had, the, had the, the crowns on his seven heads Whereas the beast has the crowns on his horns, right? So he's got ten horns and, and, ten, and, ten, and, and a crown on each horn, okay? So there is a slight difference, but there's a, there's a remarkable similarity, okay? So again, not only has the, the, the Satan given the authority to the beast, the beast bears much of the hallmarks of the dragon or Satan. Okay? But aside from chapter 12, where else? Is there anywhere else that this rings a bell? We look at this imagery. Where does it... Does any of the children know? You count as a child, Namdi, yeah. <laughs> Still, just about. That's right. The book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Uh, what chapter, um, Namdi? I think it's chapter 7. Yeah. <laughs> Two kids. <laughs> Daniel chapter 7. That's right. Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, we have, instead of one beast, we have four beasts. Okay, um, so turn me briefly to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Verse 2. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea. So just like the beast of Revelation came up from the sea, these four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Now when the Old Testament talks about the great sea, most people think it is the Mediterranean Sea. So it was related to, at the time, to these four kingdoms, they were, they were, or these four beasts were related to, um, in some way, to the Mediterranean. That's the general view. And each were different from each other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given it. Another beast, a second, was like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, and I looked, there was a leopard 
who had on his back four wings of a bird, the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given it. So what do we have? We have a first one was a lion, the second was a, a bear, and the third was a leopard. Very similar to the image that we see in, in Revelation. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking into pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns. So we saw 10 horns in Revelation and we see 10 horns here. It was, it was considering the horns and there was another, I was considering the horns and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Pompous words. Now, for those of you who don't know, pompous words are proud, proud words, boastful words. Whoever was speaking this thought a lot of themselves. We go down to verse 11. <clears throat> I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of their beasts, they had their, their dominion, that's their power, taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So Daniel, I won't go into the whole vision, but obviously... Um, he was, it says he, he was grieved in his spirit. But what does this mean? What does this mean? And so he was told the interpretation. So he had this vision, and then he wasn't told what it meant. And he was told, those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. So there are four kings. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever even forever and ever. So even though there's going to be these great kingdoms, they're not going to last. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron, its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which were three, fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. And this is what it said, the interpretation in verse 23. The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the first ones and shall sub subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, so persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change times and laws, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall be take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole earth shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So, we see a lot of similarities in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation with the beast. Except the difference, what's the difference? It's not one beast in Daniel, it's Four beasts. That's right, it's four beasts. And their four kings are kingdoms. Okay? So we need to be aware when we read about this beast, what was written in Daniel, because of the similarities. We also need to be aware of what was written in Revelation chapter 12 about the dragon, because he's very similar to the dragon with the seven heads and the ten horns.
And just on, on, on horns, you might be wondering, why, why are they all talking about oh, these horns all the time? Um, well, if you turn with me to Psalm 75 for a very quick minute. Psalm 75, verse 4. It says, I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. So do you remember what we are talking about? Pompous, pompous words. They are boastful, they were proud. I will judge uprightly. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillars firmly. I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation, that's lifting up, comes not from the east, nor the west, nor the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup and the wine is red. It is fully mixed and he pours it out. Surely its dregs, the worst bits, shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. The last bit. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will also cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. So, horns in, 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 in the Bible times, it represented the strength and power. Okay, it represented power. And I was cycling through the Phoenix Park this week a couple of times and I saw these 10, it looked like 10, it could have been more, but let's, let's say it was 10, <laughs> uh, stags. Have you ever seen a stag? A male deer with his antlers, you know, the big antlers. And they're like, the, they're the horns of, of, of the deer and they use them for, um, for hitting each other um, and to try and get power. And so the symbol of the horn was basically a symbol of power and strength, okay? Symbol of power and strength. And so when the Bible was talking about these uh, horns, it was talking about the strength that these rulers would have strength and power. But we see in Psalm 75, and we see in Daniel, that their strength and power only lasts for a while. We also see that the strength and power comes with pompous words in terms of the last horn and also in general it's boastful when you get strength when you get strong when you get powerful what happens you tend to be proud don't you but we see that ultimately god gives and he takes away it is god who exalts and it is god who brings down god is the judge okay so we might see in this world people who are strong and powerful but unless they acknowledge where their power comes from, they will be humble. Think of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. He became full of himself and God humbled him till he became like a beast. He actually became like a beast, a real beast. God humbled him, but then he repented. So that's just a background for, for this image. So we know this image is about kingdoms and about kings and about power and about authority whatever this beast is whether it's a person or a kingdom it, it's a bit hard to work out here but it's kind of it seems to be a mix of both okay it seems to be a mix both of a kingdom and of a a a king a ruler okay and there was so much concern when, when the beast came. They're saying, who, who, who can make war with him? Who could, who could make war with this beast? And something else about the beast is he had, on one of his heads, it was, he got a wound. Now, I know someone here got a, got a wound recently on their head. And uh, it's not a nice thing, is it? It's not nice. But this wound was mortally... He was mortally wounded, so it was basically like a wound that should kill him. And yet, and yet, his wound was healed. His deadly wound was healed. Okay? So something miraculous happened. Okay? And many people think that this represents something like a kingdom that 
you know, maybe fell away, was once a great kingdom, um, and then came back up again. That's definitely a possibility. When we look in Daniel, the four beasts, the leopard, the bear, the lion, and the fourth incredible beast, they represented kingdoms that came after Daniel's time, well, after Daniel prophesied. So most people think they're Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greece Empire, and, and the Roman Empire. That's what most people think, but there's a dispute about that. But the point of it is, the point of it is that they were kingdoms that happened in history, real kingdoms, and they were powerful. But they didn't, they didn't acknowledge, by and large, they didn't acknowledge God. Okay? And they were brought down. So this beast has a mortal wound, so it should be uh, finished, but it comes back up again. So some people think, some biblical scholars think that means it was a, it's a kingdom that was down and will be raised up again in the last days. But there is dispute about that. But we, what we do know is that they marveled at the beast. The whole world marvels at this beast because he... Uh, whether, well, it doesn't actually say whether it was because he, he came back up again, but they marveled at this beast or this king or kingdom. And so they worshipped the dragon, Satan, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast as well, saying who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him. So he, was, he is a powerful, 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 either a being or a kingdom. He's very powerful. And everyone thought, well, there's no way we can, we can make war with him. So they were worshipping, worshipping him. And because he, was, he had authority from Satan, he was blaspheming. Not only was he blaspheming God, and his tabernacle, but also those who dwell in heaven. So also Christians. So basically, he was going against God and his kingdom. And he was given authority to, to, to make war with Christians okay and we know we know that Christians right today are being persecuted they are being persecuted and it is the authority that comes from Satan it, it is that is that is the cause of that persecution and the Bible says he will be given authority over every tribe tongue and nation and every every name has not been written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, will worship him. So those who do not follow Jesus, who do not love Jesus, will worship um, this beast. Okay? So again, we don't know if it's an actual, it doesn't say whether it's an actual person, but it appears to be a ruler. It appears to be a king. It appears to be what is known as the Antichrist. It appears to be the Antichrist, okay? But we know, even though there is an Antichrist to come, that people have turned away from God for many years and worship things that are not God, okay? So I just want to focus just for a couple of minutes on the Antichrist, okay? It's not something we talk about much but I want to see what the Bible says about the Antichrist, particularly what it says in the New Testament. And it actually, the word Antichrist is actually mentioned in 1 John. So 1 John was written by the same person, most people think, who, read, who wrote Revelation. And it says in 1 John, chapter 2, Verse 18, little children, little children, it is the last hour. So when he means the last hour, it means, just as Elaine was saying, we are near the end. It is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming.
Have you heard the Antichrist is coming? As you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So, there was an Antichrist. The, the Christians of the day had been told that there was an Antichrist who was going to come. The Antichrist. But it also talks about many Antichrists had come. So, they weren't the Antichrist with a capital A. But they are antichrists, those who were against God, those who were false prophets. And in verse 22 it says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Okay? So basically anyone who denies... Um, God as Father and, and God as the yeah, Jesus as God as Son is essentially has the spirit of Antichrist in them. In verse in chapter four, verse three, it says, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you've heard was coming and is now already in the world. So that's the key. Even though there's going to be an antichrist, some kind of ruler, some kind of king, the spirit of antichrist is in the world. And it's telling people, don't follow Jesus, don't follow God. And it's real. It's a real spirit, just as real as Jesus is real and the Holy Spirit is real. The spirit of the Antichrist is real. And it's trying to get you and me and, and everyone we know to turn away from God. Okay? So while there's been a lot of... lot written and a lot of, as I said, speculation about who is the Antichrist... The person, who's this person? The reality is that the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world now. And we can see it. We can see it at work. And, and, and the Bible tells us to be vigilant, to be aware of this. But there is also a, a very specific person who is the Antichrist. Just like Jesus came in the flesh, so the Antichrist we expect to come in the flesh. If you turn to Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two, <clears throat> verse one. Now, brethren, brothers and sisters, Christians concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know Jesus is coming and are gathering together with, to him. So when Jesus comes, he's going to gather us with him. We ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it is from us, as though the day of Christ as if it is from us, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So these were Christians. Remember, these were Christians in the early days. They, were, they still had a lot to learn, in a sense. They didn't have the New Testament. And there was lots of rumors going around 
about Jesus, the return of Jesus. And some were, were saying that Jesus had already come. Okay? They said, no, Jesus, he'd already, he, he's come and gone. The return of Jesus has happened already. And Paul is writing to the letter, the letter to the church in, in Greece, in Thessalonia, or Thessaloniki is called now, not to be worried. Don't be worried. He hasn't come yet. Okay? And we can, we can fall into the same trap. Okay? There's lots of stuff out there, lots of speculation about the end times on YouTube or whatever. Different preachers saying different things. And we can get, we can get worried. Oh, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Are we going to be left behind? Or are we going to go up or whatever? You know, it's so important. It's so important that we stick to the word of God. Okay? That God wants us to know about the future. He doesn't want us to know everything. But he does want us to know about the future. And specifically, he wants us to know about his return and the circumstances surrounding his return because he tells us in the scripture. But he said he doesn't want us to be troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. So it didn't come from Paul. Paul wasn't writing this. As though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. And so remember, the spirit of Antichrist is out there. It's, it wants to deceive us. People want to deceive us. Let no one deceive us by any means. For that day will not come. The day of the coming of the Lord Jesus will not come unless the falling away comes first. Unless the falling away comes first. So Paul is telling them that before Jesus comes back, people are going to turn away. People are going to turn away uh, from God. Okay, and perhaps it's because of the influence of the beast. People will worship the beast. If we, if we go back to, um, oh, sorry, no, I'll continue here. That, you know, there'll be the, the power, the, the days of evil will, will increase and people will fall away from, from worshiping God. And he explains this in a minute. And the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself, and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So there's a person who will be revealed before Jesus comes. And he's known as the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, or the Antichrist. And he will exalt himself. Remember, we, we found that God, it is God who exalts. The rulers, they're boastful, they exalt themselves, they boast. But it, this man will exalt himself above all that is called God. Or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So that man, until that man is revealed, the man of, of sin, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the day of Jesus' return and our gathering to him will not happen. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. So there's something restraining this happening. Okay, so this hasn't happened yet. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So John calls it the spirit of Antichrist. Here it is the mystery of lawlessness. So the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. And this is another way of saying it. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Some people say that's the Holy Spirit. Um, there's different views on that. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, 
and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we see without a shadow of a doubt that there is a person the man of sin the man of lawlessness he is going to deceive the world we also see that that spirit is already at work it's already deceiving it's already causing lawlessness in the world and as we see it more and more we can expect the unveiling or the revealing of that man of, of sin, the man of perdition, the son of perdition, or the man of lawlessness to happen. And God gives us his word to have us ready. Okay? What he doesn't do, he doesn't say that person is Joe, Joe Bloggs. He doesn't say the name of the person. Okay? If he wanted us to know who it was, he would have told us. But he, he tells us the, the circumstances around, mainly around the return of Jesus Christ. That's the important thing, that we're ready for the return of Jesus Christ. But also, the nature of this man is someone who exalts himself. When we exalt ourselves, when we exalt ourselves, God, I don't need you. I can do it myself. Who are we serving? Who are we serving? We need to walk humbly before our God. Humbly. Especially in these days. And this man, not only does he bring in lawlessness, lawlessness and pride, but also it was granted to him. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So probably the worst aspect of all is that he is um, persecuting the saints. And if you follow Jesus, and we've said this before, Jesus himself said, you will have many tr trials, tribulations. Not because it's a bad thing to be a Christian but because there is a spirit that is against God there is a spirit in this world that is against God and it hates the things of God it loves lawlessness so anytime we stand up for what is right we stand up for God's word uh, for what is true we can expect a backlash okay and this was given, again, to this, this, um, the, the church at the time. They were being persecuted by the Romans. They were being persecuted by the, the non-believing Jews, by the Jews who did not believe in Jesus. So they were getting religious and political persecution, if you like, at that time. But it was given to encourage them. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Anyone's in the ear, let him hear. And it's the same with us. We need to hear. If you have an ear, listen. God wants you to listen now. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. They're very strong words. And I'm not sure if that translation is correct. But essentially, it means that this was saying to the Christians at the time that some of you will go to prison and some of you will die because of what you believe. Okay? Very strong words at that in those days. And it, it may be true again. We don't know. We really don't know. But what, what, what the Bible says is that we don't have to fear death. And God will rescue us from the second death, which is 
The death is spiritual death. He will rescue us from that. But he does want to let us know that these things, first of all, these things are going to happen. Okay? They're going to happen because there is a spirit of Antichrist. There is a mystery of lawlessness at work in the world. These things are going to happen. Sometimes uh, we will be spared by God's mercy and love and grace, but sometimes um, the spirit of lawlessness will be at work and the man of lawlessness will be revealed and it's all part of God's plan. And anything that happens, it's only because God has given Satan authority and Satan has given the beast authority. Okay, So it all comes from God, so we don't need to worry about it. But he does want to let us know why these things are happening and that they will happen. And he calls for us to be patient. Here's the patience and the fate of the saints. So we need to be patient. Okay? Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. We need to, we need to focus. This is not that we focus on the Antichrist. We're not to focus on the Antichrist. The Bible doesn't talk much about the Antichrist. It talks a little bit about it. But we are to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Okay? That's when we read this, we need to have patience and the faith of the saints. You can only have faith if you... Uh, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. You can only have faith in God if you have read his word. Okay? You won't have faith if you haven't read his word. So we need to stay in God's word. We need to read his word. And that will produce uh, faith. And we'll also have patience for the time that is to come. Sorry, it's going on too long. So I'll, I'll cut it short. But all I'll say, even this week, we see, in, in you, many of you, you probably would have seen in the news, um, uh, a young man from Mayo who stood up uh, for what was right, essentially. And now he's, a, he's, in, he's, he's a, a Christian. I think he's a Christian. And um, he's now in, uh, has a threat of, of, of going to prison, going to Mountjoy. Yes, yeah, so w w without going into too much detail, essentially, um, he was a teacher, and he was asked to call one of the, to address one of the, the pupils as they. Okay? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. And um, they, so he was basically barred from, from the school, but he, he returned to the school, and, and now there's, um, I think there's an order for, potentially for his, for his arrest. And you know, there is a spirit, there is a delusion. God has given people over to a, a spirit of delusion. There's no doubt about it. And if we thought about this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we said, no, nah, no, nah, that'll never happen. That will never happen. And, and yet here it is now. And it's, it's because he, what, what he believed in, he stood up for what he believed in. I, I can't say whether he, he did the, it was 100% right in what he did or his approach, I don't know, but I know that what he said was true. What he said was true. He stood up for truth. And um, that's, that's, the world, that's the world we live in at, at, at the moment. And so God says, you know, some people will go into captivity. Some people will go to prison for what they believe. And we know that throughout the world uh, is happening already. So the Bible doesn't want, God doesn't want us to focus on the Antichrist. He wants to focus on Jesus. It's only when we focus on Jesus that we'll, we'll have the power and the strength uh, to endure. Jesus himself said, um, in the last days, many will come in my name. Many false prophets, many false Christs. And I won't go into it now, uh, but the second half of this chapter deals with the false prophet. So the false prophet is essentially the other beast who is in cahoots with, uh, with, with this beast, and he's, he's leading many um, into, into delusion. Okay? And again, we can, we, can see, we can see this happening. We don't have to speculate as to who he is or what exactly it's going to be. But we can see people um, in a spirit of delusion uh, not 
they, they believe anything. As I said before, <coughs> I think it was C.S. Lewis said, the problem with people who don't believe in God isn't that they don't believe in anything, it's that they will believe anything. And, and we can see that, that today. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, we're to remain steadfast. Remain steadfast. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's basically, steadfast is like an anchor. When you put an anchor down, you're on a boat, you put an anchor down, and when the, the winds come, the storms come, the anchor makes sure that the boat doesn't move. Okay? So storms are going to come. Persecutions will potentially come. But we have an anchor, and that anchor is Jesus. Okay, who can steady us? I'll just close by reading uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this, in this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, that means living forever, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are overcomers through our Lord Jesus Christ. Satan was trying to overcome through power, through power, through physical power. But God wants us to overcome through faith in Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So don't give up. Don't give up hope. You know, th things are hard. Don't give up hope. Be steadfast. Be immovable. All right? We, we, that's all what God wants us to do. You don't even have to move. Just don't move. Don't move. <laughs> Just be with God. Uh, rest with him. Encourage we, uh, one another. We're having the connect starting up on the, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, that's a great way to encourage each other in the Lord. To pray for one, and one another. Okay? Stay in your word. I know it, it all sounds very basic, very simple, but the days are evil. And all God wants us to do is to be steadfast, to be immovable. Father, I just thank you, um, Lord, for your word again this morning. Lord, we know that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work. Lord, we don't want to be caught up in, in guessing um, who it is and all that sort of stuff, Lord, but we, we do want to be fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, I pray you will give me a hunger, a love for your word, a hunger for spending time with you, Jesus. Lord, and put in my um, mouth and in the mouths of my brothers and sisters your words, the words of life, that we can share uh, with those who don't know you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.